Welcome. It's Glenner from the cabin of Crapper Creek, Alaska. Welcome to the 100th episode of Live from Crapper Creek. A hundred episodes. We started this uh, early in the pandemic. I always wanted to do one because we have this radio show where we have all these great bits and then they just go away. Interviews, segments. And we thought, well, let's do a podcast. And we did. Now it's the hundredth episode on the show today. Interviews with some of them. I'm playing back some of our best interviews of those hundred episodes. Lovely Maria will be here. Legendary rocker Carmine Apiece, Trooper Cooper, Dr. D from uh, Alaska Vet. Yeah, we got some famous Alaskans. John Button, local boy, now the bass player for The Who, NFL great and Alaskan Mark Schlereth. How about the Eskimo Ninja, Nick Hansen, joining us as well. Oh, we've got the mayor joining us and... From Seinfeld, Steve Heitner. All that and more on the 100th episode of the podcast. Live from Crapper Creek, Alaska. The podcast. As you know, we're big on comics here in Crapper Creek. And we've had so many that have come up and uh, worked with us and toured with us and done comedy. And just some of them have become such good friends. Like this gentleman right here. You, uh, His name is Steve Heitner, but you may know him better as... Uh, yeah, uh, Mr. Banyan. Oh, yeah. From Seinfeld. It's gold, Jerry. And a great comic and an even better human being, Mr. Steve Heitner. How are you? Oh, how are you, man? I was, I was thinking about you and a, a lot of friends down there that are just out and about in weird places of the country, kind of going through the weirdness and the madness. Gentleman who's not only come up and graced the stage doing comedy with us here in Alaska, but of course, uh, he was also the instructor of our Fairbanks Funny Festival and uh, really helped out everybody. Just a great guy to hang out with. You, of course, know him, boy, from uh, probably Ski Patrol, I'm sure. But if it's not that, there was there was a little show called Seinfeld. And of course, our good buddy, Mr. Steve Heitner, of course, played one of my all-time favorite characters and one of the top characters on the show, Mr. Kenny Banyan. And Steve, uh, good to have you back on the phone, man. I'm glad you're hanging up the, and uh, doing well. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know if I graced the stage up there. I know I, I, know I was It was a sachet. Stage. It was a sachet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I did plume while I was up there. Right. I would be remiss if I didn't mention and give my condolences. Uh, you had a rough week last week along with the pandemic. You lost a couple of close friends in Jerry Stiller and, of course, the great uh, Fred Willard. So that had to be a little difficult. Yeah. Uh, wild. I mean, I, uh, look, showbiz is a we. Uh, there's all kinds of people uh, in, in it. Um, but when you have two people that were incredibly kind, wonderful people like uh, like those two, uh, and to lose them back to back like that, uh, uh, that was tough. You really um, you can't meet or know better people than that. I can tell you. I can tell you a really quick story about Please. Jerry uh, Stiller, just to capture that. So we did the final, the finale of Seinfeld, that big party right right after the uh, film sure. uh, on the sound stage. Uh, so this is years ago, so um, there really weren't uh, I, there weren't phones, you know, or the cell phones, iPhones, and whatnot. Uh, so late in the party, Jerry Stiller comes running over to me and goes, "Steven," and he's waving this yellow, you know, Instamatic camera at me. <laughs> he goes, "Steven, I took some fantastic shots of you at this party. I need an address to like get them to you." <laughs> so I give him my address, and. Four days later, in a uh, large envelope are four photos of me in triplicate with a handwritten note 
about what a pleasure uh, and how lucky he was to get to work with. Wow. That yeah. was him in a nutshell then, huh? Yeah, that's just who he was. That's wow. just who he was. Just a super kind, super, super wonderful guy. And then Fred Fred Willard, I'll tell you, oddly enough, it's Fernwood Tonight back in the day and whatnot. Fernwood Tonight, I remember he, right. Yeah. He actually reached out to me on social media, and that's how we became friends. All of a sudden, I get this friend request uh, on both, you know, uh, Twitter, and, and then he started following me on Twitter, and the friend request on Facebook. And reached out and said, "You know, I gotta tell you, always been a big fan of your work. Just thought I'd reach out and let you know." Wow. <laughs> Wow, how cool is that? You're talking about two guys that uh, I was talking with uh, my wife, Maria. I was trying to think if there's anything ever that either of them did that I didn't thoroughly enjoy, and I couldn't come up with anything. It was just fantastic. I don't know about uh, Fred Willard. They were talking about one of the rare, because he did more sketch uh, kind of comedy and that kind of stuff. Right. One of the rare people that that never stopped working, and a lot of people, they're just funny in their time. Yes. Fred was funny. Fred was funny always. Right? He couldn't help it's just it. Like I'm, twenty, yeah, twenty-year-olds find Fred Willard hilarious. Oh yes, I mean he would be funny ordering from a deli. It just uh, it, it didn't yeah. matter what he was doing. He could read the phone book and make you laugh. Yeah, so it, he just crossed generations because what he did was just timeless. Yeah, and uh, really with both of them, it was uh, they worked right up to the end, and they were both loved and uh, fantastic. Oh yeah, that's good stuff. Once again, talking with Steve Heitner, comedian and actor who you can catch on his own podcast, and it is... Podcast, that's going with Steve Heitman. Well, mine, you know, look, when I walk out the door, somebody scream, uh, hey, Banya, that's gold at me. So I decided to take advantage of that. So now my my podcast is called That's Gold. Perfect. Uh, That's gold with Steve Heitner. I can't wait. Thanks for talking to us, man. Great to have you with us. We're going to have to do this again. I can't wait to have you back up when the smoke clears, get you back up. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard, but of course, the great venue we had burnt to the ground. No, that breaks my heart. I love the blue. The loon was the blue loon was. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they're rebuilding now, which is great. Steve Heitner, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining us, man. God bless. Good to hear from you. And we will talk again, my friend. Love you, Glenn. Until I see you. Love you, too. Another regular guest on the podcast here in the cabin of Crapper Creek, Alaska, is a dear friend of mine and the show, and another famous Alaskan. It's Dr. Dee Thornell from uh, Animal House. You may remember her from uh, Animal Planet Channel's uh, Dr. Dee Alaska Vet. She's got a new show now on YouTube, you can see, as a matter of fact. She joins us answering pet questions every week, and sometimes we get some pretty good ones, like this one, for instance. Okay, and one last question, this one from, uh, yeah, from Facebook. And do you remember the question we had a while back, D, about the uh, dude whose uh, rabbit ate his weed? Right. Well, now we have uh, a lizard. Uh, dude says his bearded dragon got into his stash, ate a couple of his buds. It happened a couple days ago. He, see, he says he seems to be fine, but now he has a liking to it. And uh, he said all he did was sit around and watch TV. <laughs> my guess is old episodes of Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> or what's that called? Cougar Town. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I would have to say, I, I don't know if CBD and THC really affect lizards in the same way. Their brains are a little wired differently. So I would say, you know, the only bad thing, then you got like lizard spit, you know, on your weed. And the other thing that happens is... <laughs> Nobody you know, wants lizard. lizard. That might be an added thing. It's like licking toads. Maybe yeah. the lizard spits... Like an additive that makes it extra groovy. 
Yeah, but I don't think the thing that comes out the backside if they accidentally do it on your bud would be very happy. No, no. Just turn on old episodes of Monty Python, throw down (laughs) some Cheetos. They'll be just fine. (laughs) Yeah. Don't do that for the rabbit, though. Monty Python is off a rabbit. You made it. Wake up (laughs) with this rabbit rabbit. going through your throat (laughs) every time you, you know, so. All right. All right. Hey, you guys have fun today. All right. You too, D. Thanks. Bye-bye. X-Rock Radio from the cabin in Crapper Creek. It's Glenner. And as you know, we love celebrating Alaskans doing amazing things who have escaped and done elsewhere. Uh, You know, they got off their leash, whatever. Somebody left the gate open and uh, off they go. One of them is with us right now. A guy I have uh, really never had the pleasure of talking to. I can't believe it. Former Alaskan. Uh, We went to high school about the same time. Of course, he went on to do some pretty big stuff. He uh, raised down in Anchorage, went to service and played football. And that is, of course, the three-time Super Bowl champ, two-time Pro Bowler, and an announcer for Fox Sports, uh, Mark Schlereth, is with us right now. Mark, thanks, man. I really appreciate your time. Oh, yeah. Once in Alaskan, you're never a former Alaskan. You're just an Alaskan. You're just an Alaskan. I wasn't sure. <laughs> right. I didn't want to offend. You're always an Alaskan. Now, I'll, I'll start up. How often do you, do you get back up? Do you still have family? I know you have a lot of friends. Yeah, yeah, no. My mom and dad are still. My mom and dad are still. Uh, you know, in the same house. Uh, so right oh, that's on the awesome. side there. So we try to get up every summer. My uh, my wife is from Girdwood, Alaska. So oh. we try to we we try to get up there and and hang out and uh, and you know do some fishing in the summertime. So you know it's always one of those destination spots. And I would say probably um, every other year we make it up. There's always. Yeah, sure. there's always a million things going on. Obviously, last year with coronavirus and everything, we didn't get up. The year before, we went up and just absolutely slayed silver salmon. Oh, so there you go. That was a blast. Always. Yeah, that was a blast. But it's always nice to come home, and uh, you know, it's always nice to you know to kind of hang out with family and friends that you haven't seen in a long time. Now, when you went on from high school and into college, uh, and I bet you still do, you still play the Alaska card ever? Because they're fascinated with us for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. You know what? But the crazy thing is, <laughs> so I went to the University of Idaho and I had two right. scholarship offers. You know, I had I had the Hawaii and the Idaho and I just thought Idaho just felt a little bit more like what I grew up in than Hawaii. So I thought that was a better choice for me. Um, and, you know, it turned out working out great for me. But yeah, funny, you guys went got, on to the national semifinals. Yeah, you guys did well. Yeah, yeah. We always had a good team. We were always one of the top ranked teams in the nation. So we did. You know, we did well for ourselves, but you know, the, the the crazy thing is, is you know, as naive as people are about Alaska, I was really growing up in Alaska. I was pretty much just as naive when I went back east and I got drafted by Washington, and so I come, I go out to the nation's capital. Yeah, I thought the whole East Coast was was like New York City. I just, <laughs> right. Like, that was, yeah, that was my vision of the East Coast, right? <laughs> yeah, there's no trees. So I landed. <laughs> yeah, I landed at the Dulles Airport in Northern Virginia, and it's you know it's summer. It's a jungle. Um, it's it's in the middle of nowhere, you know. And so it was it was one of those things. That I just kind of laughed at myself at that point. Of all the questions I get asked, you know, about dog sleds and igloos, I was like, I'm just as dumb. Sure. We all are. You know, we we may not admit it. We all are. (laughs) Well, people are fascinated. There's no question. And and I tell you, with good reason. You know, anytime I talk to one of my buddies in television or one of my buddies that I played with or whatever, and they take the cruise up through the uh, Southeast Passage and they do the cruise up to Alaska, 
it, there is not one person that's ever been disappointed. They are they are just absolutely flabbergasted at the beauty. And I think sometimes when you grow up in Alaska, you're just so used to it. It's just and always there. It, yeah. That you just you you're just used to it. It's funny when you come from Alaska, you're a little spoiled for sure. Mark Schlereth, our guest, of course, uh, NFL football great and a sports analyst. Football in Alaska, you've got such a short, weird season. It's just different. What was the biggest transition from you going from high school football in Alaska to a big program like Idaho? What was the was there a certain area that was just a little more challenging than you thought it would be? Yeah, I think everything is, you know, I mean, the, the length of the season. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons I, yeah, there was two reasons I really chose Idaho over, over Hawaii. I took my recruiting trip and on my recruiting trip, it was during the Pro Bowl and, and all the professionals practiced all, uh, at the University of Hawaii. And so I'm watching, you know, I'm not only going through the program and I'm looking at the guys lifted in there, but I'm watching these professionals practice. And there was really, there was really a lot of doubt whether I could play at that level. I was just like, shoot, you know, I'm, I'm coming from Alaska and, you know, we played, you know, six, seven games during the course of the season. I don't have the experience and these dudes are, are huge. And so part of the reason I went to Hawaii or excuse me, I didn't go to Hawaii and I went to Idaho is when I went there, I was like, okay, a little lesser athlete, a little less size here. I think I can play. But I, I think it's like anything else, you know, it's the first time you try something. Um, my, my biggest thing going from high school to college and from college to professionals was I am not going to let fear or I'm not going to let, you know, you know, myself talk me out of making a football team or playing. My thing was going to be the only thing that was going to stop me from playing was that I wasn't good enough. And you know what? There are a lot of things I'm not good enough at, and that's okay. Like I'm okay with that as long as it's as long as it wasn't effort. You know, effort was never going to be the determining factor. There no. was always going to be great effort. There was always going to be hard work. There was always going to be all those things. You know, it turned out I was good enough. Well, you're more than good enough, that's for sure. Another Alaskan doing great. The great Alaskan Mark Schlereth, NFL Hall of Famer, TV analyst, and actor. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate the time. From the farthest North Rock station in the world, it's the Crapper Creek Podcast. Live, of course, as usual, we always have uh, some great segments, some wonderful guests every week. And I always like to do a segment, uh, Fairbanks is doing good. Those who have escaped. And uh, one of them is with us on the phone right now, Mr. John Button. John, of course, grew up playing music around Fairbanks forever and uh, playing in bands and playing clubs and going off and doing some other stuff. Now he plays with a little band called The Who uh, as their bass player, which is just insane to me. I can't even wrap my brain around it. A former Fairbanks and always a Fairbanks, and I shouldn't even say former John Button. John, how are you, man? I am fantastic. Thanks for having me. This this is wonderful. Now, we were going to get together earlier in the uh, winter. I called you, I think it was in February. I said, hey, uh, you guys are getting ready to do some shows. Let's uh, let's get together. Let's do some things. And then, of course, everything. That's exactly when the shit hit the fan, I do believe. Boy, did it ever. Oh, my God. What the hell? So... With that said, we finally got you on, and I know you've been uh, in and out touring with The Who. It's been usually kind of shorter bursts, isn't it? It is, which is fine with me. Yeah. yeah. They do. We, we tend to go out for like three weeks and then be off for a couple of weeks and go out for another three weeks. It's great. Now, I mean, you took over. You had some, I got to say, big shoes to fill. You think? 
Big hooves. Oh, my to be, God. To be very accurate. Uh, John Entwistle, of course, who sadly passed away in Vegas years ago, wasn't it? Was that where? Correct. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah and he went out with a bang. Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did. How long before, between that, did you get the call from the who, from the guys? And who called you? Pardon the Quite pun. a while. So, uh, yeah. A guy named Pino Palladino uh, immediately took over after Entwistle passed away. Pino had played with uh, some of Pete Townsend's solo projects. So he did it for, boy, like 16, 17 years, something like that. And then he took off to do some other stuff. Meanwhile, I had been playing with Roger Daltrey's solo project. I've been touring with him as a solo artist for like 10 years. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So, all right. So that's how when, when Pino Palladino left The Who... Roger Daltrey was like, hey, my guy that's been playing with me for 10 years, he, he's a nice guy and he's an okay bass player. What do you think about pulling him in? So they called me up and said, you know, would you be interested in playing with the Who? I, I love uh, how you said that, John. And, oh, and he's an okay bass, but that's not what he said. Shut up. You know, give yourself a little credit. I'm, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure Roger Daltrey go, yeah, hey, Pete, I got this guy. Yeah, he's okay. I guess he could play with us. I mean, don't downplay yeah. it. You're playing the bass for the who, for Christ's sake. My God, man. Ridiculous, right? Act like uh, I still can't wrap my head around it, <laughs> to be perfectly now, honest. Obviously, much easier to tour with the who now than it was in, say, like 1968. That would have been difficult yeah, to you, keep up with. Yes, indeed. And On a number of levels. I think we all see Pete Townsend as this kind of recluse kind of guy, quiet behind. But is there something we don't know? Give us something we don't know about, like, oh, he and Roger. Because these guys are legends to all of us, uh, uh, including right. yourself, obviously. One thing that just jumps to mind about Roger is just he's the nicest, most down-to-earth guy on the planet. He's so cool. Uh, he and I get along great. Um, he's just a real sweetheart. And Pete. Pete's a complicated guy. He could be a real sweetheart, but he's also eh, he's a little moody sometimes. And he's also a, just a genius. I mean, I don't think that's any any surprise to anyone. But like, you can just see it in his eyes. Like, all the gears are turning all the time. Like, he's just a brilliant genius person. You know. Obviously, the the nights are quieter. You don't have the wildness afterwards. It's got to be a lot more relaxing with the guys. Uh, it's very cushy. <laughs> Have you guys been in contact since everything, uh, since all the madness? Are you guys looking at planning anything later down the line, or, or are you recording with them? Not recording with them at the moment. Uh, yeah, we've been in touch a little bit, just sort of like, hey, you know, let's see what happens. I was just on email with Roger a few days ago, and he, you know, he was like, as soon as we can get back to it, we're getting back to it. But we were supposed to be touring the UK uh, in March. Um, and they rescheduled those dates for about the same time next year. So March 2021. Yeah. And that's all you <laughs> can do now is, is book it and then hopefully, you know, pull out if need be. But book it now so you uh, can at least get plans going. Talking again with John Button, bass player for The Who, former Fairbanks and growing up. Tell us about your childhood here a little bit, how you got into music maybe real quick before we go. I grew up in a musical family. I'm the youngest of five kids, all my siblings were great musicians um, and very influential on me. And I, I was a product of the uh, Music in the Schools program, which was really, fortunately, very strong in Fairbanks. I started orchestra in like third grade and played in jazz band in seventh grade through high school. And then also all the summer music camps. There's the uh, Summer Arts Festival. Yeah, man, oh, yeah. all that stuff helped me out so much. 
Um, and then uh, I used to play in a, there was, we had a band of a bunch of high school kids called Law, and we used to play around and do gigs and play at the pump house and uh, stuff like that. So, uh, you, yeah, it was you a great. Played, uh, you played yeah. with our uh, Mayor Jim Matherly a time or two, didn't you? Oh, more than a time or two. Oh, yeah, we did all kinds of stuff together, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and he, he still he still has the, the drums. He still pulls them out and beats them every once in a while. You know, he's got another little side gig going on. So yeah, exactly. No, we had great times. We played together a lot. Wow, wonderful, John Button. Uh, we could sit and talk uh, forever, but let's do it for a second interview a little bit later on. Hopefully, we'll be talking about maybe uh, your tour coming up. That would be fantastic. Or maybe when I'm on tour, we I can call in from the road. That would be wonderful. Oh my God, I'm so there. Here's, and and that's one hoping. of the bands. That's one of the bands on my bucket list. I finally saw the Stones, but I need to see the Who live. So when that starts up, I'm going to fly and go see a show wherever it is. I'm going. I'm there. I can't wait. Give so. me a call. All right, John. That's John Button, bass player for the Who, Fairbanks man, and uh, just great to great to talk to you. Proud of you. Have a great time. Chill out and uh, stay safe by all means. Thanks so much. Hi to everybody up in Fairbanks. I miss everyone. There you go. John Button. Thanks, buddy. One of our favorites on the podcast over these first hundred episodes was a good friend of the show and now a fellow Alaskan, of course, great actor and comedian, the great John Doerr, who happens to live in Juneau. Weird, right? Uh, He joins us all the time. And if you ever caught his program, it was on in Canada and it's online. I think you can see it on YouTube. It's called John Doerr. HR, uh, humor resources, and he's hilarious. And we did an episode about it last year. This was, I think, about a year or so ago. COVID was still rampant. And, of course, we needed the humor of our HR resource manager, John Doerr. And it went like this. X-Rack Radio from the cabin. So excited. We got concerts coming back. Everything's coming back, including comedy, although we may do one more show from the roof at Good Titrations. Those were fun all year. We raised a lot of money. But as you know, uh, it was different because we'd have a ladder and we'd climb up on the roof and everybody would honk their horns and we all had a good time. But then uh, we posted photos. Then I get a, a message from Human Resources. Let me play this for you. Good afternoon. I'm just looking a message for Glenn. Um, this is the HR department. And uh, there's been a grievance filed uh, about an Instagram post where he's performing on top of a marquee with a sign good behind it without a safety apparatus. Uh, the grievance is from a customer. Uh, I'd just like to have a quick chat with him and see if that post can be removed. Uh, again, this is John from the HR department. Have a great day. So that was what I got from human resources, from John, our human resource manager. So I guess I got to call him first and figure this out. If you have a second, uh, we'll get the show rolling here in a minute, but let me call him first so we can straighten all this out. So we can get a comedy show going here. So uh, I've, I think I got the number here, and let me give him a try. Hello, John Door, Human Resources. Uh, John John Door. This is John Door. Yes. Yes. How may I help you? Wait, John, it's me. It's Glenner at the radio station. What What the hell? Wait, comic, comedian John Doerr, uh, TV star John Doerr. Uh, Glenn, I do have a very busy day here. I can get your file open quickly. Uh, oh, yes, I put a call into you last week. Yeah. Um, I'd like to talk to you if it's all right about a performance. Wait, wait, that whoa, you, whoa, whoa. Uh, gave. What? 
John Doerr, Human Resources for Last Frontier Media Active. You're, this is... That's right. What do you do? You're a comedian. Correct, yes. Um, during the pandemic, I took on the role as HR manager to stand-up comedian. Uh, we noticed there was a void that needed to be filled, and I was quite happy to do so. And Glenn, at a later time, I'd like to have an actual performance review with you uh, where we can go over uh, some of your strengths and focus on some areas of improvement. How does that sound to you? But, but, but you mean my, my, my set, my comedy set you're talking about? Correct. And uh, while I do have you, though, I do have a grievance here filed. That's yeah. what I'm recently contacting you about. And can I confirm that we're not on the air right now? Uh, no, no, we're <laughs> not on the air. <laughs> no. Great. Good. I'd hate to be wasting company time here uh, when you're supposed to be working. Now, Glenn, um, I, in your file, I have a grievance that was filed based on a image you posted on your personal Instagram. And I'd like to remind you that you're always representing work when you're even doing personal things. Now, Glenn, it says that it shows that you're performing on top of a marquee in front of good titration, which I believe is a marijuana dispensary. Um, yeah. Okay, I'm just going to ask for your file, if you could provide a requisition that you must have placed for safety harnesses. I don't see any in the picture. Uh, and also, it doesn't look like there are... Yeah, I'm just wondering if you did have a permit to perform on top of the marquee. The permit? requisite What? A harness? Yes, the grievance, the grievance that was filed on behalf of a customer uh, says that they felt like they were in danger. Um, and that you were in danger, and in turn, families watching uh, may have been witness to danger. Well, something deplorable. They, yes, yeah. They said this is an, it wasn't a safe environment, and they themselves did not feel safe. All right. Well, I did take my clothes off at one point, but that was just because it was cold. Now was proving a point, so it was kind of for comedy. But that's neither here nor there. I don't have a safety harness, John. We don't have any of that. What are you talking about? We climbed a ladder, and and, and we did a we did a show on, on the roof. For charity. I'm just, I'm just finished. I'm just finishing a note here. Took his hand off. What? Okay. Are you saying this is a charity show? Uh, well, regardless yeah. of whether or not we're performing, whether we're performing for charity or not, we must have the proper safety precautions put in place. So I'm going to ask you to do one of two things. Okay. Uh, if you could go ahead and provide me with the requisition order for the appropriate safety materials required to climb a rooftop to perform on. A marquee, and also if you could go ahead and take that photograph down until you can provide that documentation, that would be great. And Glenn, again, I'd like to set up a performance review where we can go into detail about some other customer grievances that have been filed. Other customer grievances filed for my show. Thank you very much, Glenn. And I think we can all work together to make comedy and the workplace a safe environment. <clears throat> what the? Fuck? Yeah, I was talking to Glenn. Yeah, this... no, they, he's really dropping the ball. Really dropping the ball. Wait, wait, hold on. Who are you talking to? What are you doing? Hello? Hello? Kind of bull. What? I don't have a safety harness? For Who uses a safety harness for comedy? I asked that one question. I got to get him back on the phone. This is wrong. From the farthest North Rock station in the world, it's the Crapper Creek Podcast. You know, we love having great guests, and I love Alaskans that do great things. And uh, real honor and pleasure to have one of those young men with us now. And few have done bigger, greater things than this guy. 
uh, is Mr. Nick Hansen. You know him as the Eskimo Ninja from uh, American Ninja Warriors on with us now from his home in Unalakleet. Nick, how you doing, buddy? Dude, I'm doing awesome, man. I'm good to be home. Good to be back in Unalakleet. A little bit blizzardy, but not a big deal. No, it's it's January. We're Alaskans. We act like it, you know, <laughs> right? Uh, I, I've only been to Unalakleet once, and I was young, flying with my dad. And uh, it, it just uh, like so many rural communities, you, you're just always greeted with such, they're so cool, uh, you know, when, when, you, when I would come in. I miss going out to rural Alaska. And, of course, uh, you with the COVID, it's probably, I know you did a lot of stuff down south and in uh, California. And now that you, the, the name you've made for yourself and your brand and what you've done for Alaska uh, it's probably nice to get the heck out of California right now. Yeah, I mean, when, when COVID first hit, we were in the middle of Los Angeles, and we were, like, wondering if we were even going to get home with all the, like, things were shutting down. We were worried about it. But um, we, we made it home safely, for sure. Um, and it was definitely a, um, a different, different type of experience trying to figure out what we were going to do. And now that it's all kind of, like, you know, plateaued a little bit, it's, you know, it's kind of getting to that point where we're, we're here at home, but we're also kind of thinking, man, it would, sure would be nice to get out and play out a little bit. Right. Now, uh, with that in mind, of course, one thing that didn't stop really was American Ninja Warrior. You guys still competed. So it, it was, you were one of the few fortunate ones that actually still got to work and do, do the show, albeit it was a little bit different. But still, it was every bit, uh, from a fan standpoint, it was every bit as entertaining. And of you, of course, not only do you compete in American Ninja Warrior, but you're one of the elite. You're one of the real stars of the show. And uh, that... That had to kind of snowball on you. Do, you. do you still kind of step back from that and go, holy cow, <laughs> this is wild. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's crazy. So when, when, uh, when it first hit, we were right just about to film. Like we were right at the brink of getting ready to turn the cameras on. And then the executives came in and said, hey, we're going to send you all home and we're going to figure this out. And then a couple months later, they give us a call and they say, hey, we're going re- to reset this back up. We're going to do it, but we're going to do it following, you know, COVID guidelines and, and quarantine rules and things like that. And uh, so they brought us all back in and we filmed it and they only invited 150 ninjas back out of like 750 that they normally have. And yeah, I got to be one of them and it was just super humbling. But the coolest part about it was is they, they invited all of us back as um, you know, as the veterans of the show, but then they said, Hey, bring someone with you, right. bring someone, bring someone that you care about. And I got to invite another Alaskan to be on the show with me. And that was Kyle Worrell from Juno. Right. I remember that. And you guys did well. It was cool. And you've always done very well in the show. Now, unfortunately you haven't won the thing, but only one can win this. And you've come, you keep getting closer. You keep, <laughs> you keep uh, getting past that one mark that you didn't do the year before. And you keep getting so close. But yet, uh, it's still got to be rewarding because you're very good at it. And to, and to just finish these different stages has got to be an awesome feeling. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and you know, um, winning, winning is a, that's a pretty lofty goal. Oh, oh dude, <laughs> not, unbelievable. Because you, you, you don't know. I mean, some of these young guys that are coming up now, right? These little lanky guys that are just, oh, you know, they're like 100 pounds soaking wet and they can hang by a finger. And you guys, of course, are training constantly. You're probably training now, are you not? No. Oh, yeah, for sure, hundred percent. I'm in the in the home gym, you know, three uh-huh. three hours out of every day. You know. Wow. Wow. That's all right. That's more gumption than me. I'm lucky to get an hour at the gym. Then I'm pretty spent. <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> with that said, what is the plan? Do you know uh, when are they shooting? What is the uh, uh, plan for the upcoming season of American Ninja Warrior? 
Yeah, so we just got the announcement that uh, they're going to be filming again, and um, all the phone calls started going out a couple of days ago, and uh, I got the call. The, the, the producers called me up and said, hey, we'd love to did. have you back on the show. Yeah, of course <laughs> and, they um, did. So we're planning on filming um, in March. It's going to be definitely a new, you know, kind of a, a mix of the old ways mixed with the new ways. Right, um, And, uh, you know, they brought in our family virtually, so there's like this huge, like, jumbotron screen right, right next right. to us on the starting line and that was huge it was like having them right there with me so um it's definitely just as powerful to be able to look over to your left right before you get going and see your mom and dad see your you know your fiance or your husband or whatever it might yeah, be that see your whole family with right yep. that's wonderful talking once again nick hansen uh, of course the eskimo ninja as he's known as now of course the word eskimo up here we don't really use it anymore but it it is still used down so just uh descriptively uh have you had issues with that at all um when i first started on the show yeah man i was I was definitely ridiculed a little bit for it on social media. Uh, there were some folks, you know, calling me out saying, hey, oh, look at this. That's social media, though. Don't don't listen to the douches, <laughs> man. Don't listen to the douches. Those guys living in the basement, they know everything, right? Oh, I know, right? Like, it was de- there was definitely some haters out there. But, you know, the, the, the coolest thing is, is when my oppa, my oppa's from Barrow, you know, Charlie Hobson, and he's a whaling captain, and he's a, you know, president of the whaling commission, and he's, you know, big time Inupiaq, so... When uh when um he answered the phone during the season, he would answer the phone, literally answer the phone, Eskimo Ninja's grandpa on the phone. So <laughs> so when he's using the word Eskimo Ninja, you, you kind of yeah. just be like, you know, it's okay if he's using it. That's exactly right. That's like when Samuel L. Jackson said, "Stop calling us African Americans. We're black." When all right, Samuel said it, all right, we're good. We're going back yeah. to black. Just great stuff, man. Great stuff. I could do this all day. I tell you what, we're gonna do, uh, Nick. Our interview continues. With uh, Nick Hansen, a.k.a. the Eskimo Ninja, right here on X-Rock. From the farthest North Rock station in the world, it's the Crapper Creek Podcast. You know, everybody comes up to me and goes, oh, I love your podcast. Love your radio show. Particularly when your lovely wife Maria joins you. Great, thanks. You know, I'm working my butt off here. All she has to do is come on and talk sex and relationships and you guys go nuts. But thank goodness she does because she's great at it. Uh, not only my partner in life and crime, but here on the podcast. And it's just not the same without her. So I had to pick from one of ours from the last uh, 100 episodes to air. So I just pulled this one out of my ass. But it's a good one right here from the podcast in Crapper Creek with lovely Maria. All right, folks. Uh, time for the uh, sexy part of the show. This is where we, we love act, asking experts questions. And when it comes to sex, I only know one expert, and that's my lovely wife, Maria. Problem is, she's always at work about now, and I call her, and I interrupt her with a question. But she's always very eager to help and answer. Yes, Maria. Hi, sweetheart. Hi, baby. I just hung up with a long-distance call for you. You did? I hold for 10 minutes, and then I pick up a line, and you're there. This better be good. Um... Got a survey? Yeah. All right. I thought, really? Really? Well, because you're the smartest woman I know. I oh, have to go to you. Don't even. I, I'm up? so serious. What's a new up? study found that the key to having a good sex life, it's not really the sex. It's spooning for about six minutes afterwards. <laughs> 71% of women who cuddled up to six to 10 minutes after the last time they had sex uh, gave the whole session a much higher rating. Well, then I must be an oddity. Why? 
because I really don't like to cuddle. (laughs) 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 Only 44% of women who cuddled for zero to five minutes said that the sex was good. Oh, no, I never have a problem with sex. I just, when I'm done, get out. Don't cuddle. <laughs> I know. You literally kick me out of the I room. I literally like do. You, yes, you, I do. You make me leave the money on the, on the bed stand and go. No, you keep forgetting and leave it in your pockets. I just take it when I wash your clothes. <laughs> <laughs> you know that. You know that. I know. All we do afterwards is slap five. <laughs> and then get out. <laughs> right, I gotta go. Bye. Really, I was on hold for ten minutes. Bye. God, she loves it when I call. <laughs> you can tell, right? She's really into me. <laughs> I should say WNBA champion, Ruthie Hebert's with us. Ruthie, darling, welcome home. How's it going? Wow, how cool that now you, you, you've you got to still be on cloud nine. Oh, yeah, definitely. Is that a North Carolina jacket you're wearing? I know, don't. What? What, what are you doing? I went on a visit there, and it was just in my house. I've been moving <laughs> okay, all right. We won't, we'll keep it, of course. <laughs> Oregon Duck extraordinaire, so we, we won't say anything about that. But, uh, you know, why not? You know, it's uh, MJ's place, so yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll save for that. Yeah, all right. Now, you guys just, you're, of course, you played overseas. Uh, you get drafted uh, from uh, Oregon to uh, the Chicago Sky, and you win a championship. Are you kidding me? It's amazing. I mean... You know, my senior year, Oregon got cut off because of COVID. And we I know. Favorite to win. So I think just uh, having the a little retribution, you know, has been great. It's amazing to just be on a great team and just all the experiences, you know, you learn throughout the, the ups and downs of WNBA college. It's just been a blessing. Now, how was it playing overseas? That had to be a little weird. And the, and the transition probably had, I, I guess, probably once you kind of got into it and got around your teammates, it was a little better. But it yeah, had to it be was very different. I mean, Going in, not knowing the language, I played in Turkey last year, so not knowing the language. Luckily, some of my teammates spoke English, some of them didn't. So just adjusting and, you know, being open to everything because you never know what you're going to get. I'm going to go to Italy this year. I'm going to Italy November 8th to play, so I'm really excited about that. And you're playing in Italy? Yes. Okay. I'll be in Sicily and... Oh, beautiful. No. Nice. Living life and playing basketball. So, uh, and what a great thing to do. You get to basically play all year. Yes. I For girls especially, you usually play... All year round. It seems like that. It seems like a yeah. lot of the girls, uh, gals from the WNBA, they play overseas. You make more money overseas. So wow. You gotta, you so gotta go so wait a minute. Set. So you took a pay cut to win the championship? Yes, but <laughs> I will, I'm still blessed. I wouldn't change Yes, it. yes, of course. No, nobody would. The, the, there's no price you can put yeah. on, on a championship. Now, for those of you that know, of course, Ruthie grew up here in Fairbanks. Her folks are just some of the most beautiful people you ever meet. And I had the weird opportunity of meeting Ruthie when, I don't know how old you and Ryan were at the time. I don't know, but we, you were the coach. I was your you coach. coach. I remember how I always used to tell you to use your backside for good, not evil. <laughs> I never. And I made you guys play ultimate Frisbee. Frisbee all the time. And, and uh, without basically just using the ball and passing. And yes. um, your, your drop step and everything. I, I'd say, oh, look, look, you used the drop step. <laughs> Because all you ever wanted to do was bring the ball down the court. I, I said, no. Dribbling. I know. I was like, get down under the hoop. <laughs> get under the hoop where you can do damage. And uh, and we had a great time. My daughter, of course, had no, I have no idea why she was even playing. Oh She's the most unathletic person on the planet. She said, if you remember, she broke her arm she did. during warm-up, slipping and falling on the sideline. Yes, so, I was there. <laughs> uh, God love her. Of course, uh, she's in town here. She just graduated college this last year as well. And uh, Ruthie Hebert joining us, uh, WNBA champion. Of course, West Valley grad, a champion there. 
You've had uh, you, you have a nice run, and man, what a career you still have ahead of you. Yeah, I'm really excited. You know, I'm still young, so I just moving up from here. You know, it's hard to say that after a championship, but moving up, learning more about overseas life, WNBA, hopefully helping the future females. You know, so after basketball. Any any thoughts? Are you going to coach? Now, you a journalism degree. Yes, journalism degree from Oregon. So, I, you know, I'm working on some things with some books, and I love, you know, interacting with people. I would love basketball. I might coach. I don't know yet. Well, know? well I'll tell you what. We're going to start up the uh, – Are you gonna, how long are you in town? You uh, Just sh- briefly? Yeah, until November 8th. Oh, shoot. I was going to have you do some uh, some high school games with me. Uh, I would love that. Right, Next right. Next time. All I'll right. Next you time up. you come back, we'll have you on. You and I will do play-by-play for some West Valley games. I love it. Because we're it. both alumni. Yeah, so, you know, we, we got to do that. <laughs> I love that. Ruthie Hebert with us. Uh, girl, uh, congratulations once again. Thank great you. to see you. How Thank fantastic. You. you look great. I'm so proud of you. You did – you did your family good. You did your town good. Thank you. Place was going nuts around here. <laughs> I love Just it. nuts. Thank you, everyone. Thanks. Give, give your best to the uh, family for me, would you? Yeah, I will. There you go, Ruthie Hebert. Thanks for joining us today. Since this is our 100th episode, I wanted to make sure to include uh, some of our regulars as well as some of our favorite interviews we've done. And one segment we've had on that's just been a blast, and that is the mayor of Fairbanks, Alaska. Good friend of mine growing up, and that is Jim Matherly. And he's always on for fun. Like this one, for instance, from just last fall. We love to do little quizzes, little uh, bits, and a lot of times we like to bring in celebrity guests. And one of our favorites we love to bring in is the mayor of the city of Fairbanks, and that is the one and only uh, Jim Matherly. Mayor Fairbanks, hello, Mayor. How are hello, you? Hello, hello, hello. 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 <laughs> All right, here's the deal. Now, uh, you know I've known Jim most of my life, and uh, we always make fun of the fact that he's probably America's most squeaky clean mayor. There's nobody that's cleaner than Jim Matherly. Nobody. Here's a guy that drummed and worked in bars and wedding receptions and everything. Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, doesn't party. So boring. But what a great designated driver he is for the rest of us. So with that in mind, uh, you know, there's there's some places, uh, Washington, D.C., they've had issues with their mayor. Chicago, so many mayors doing bad things. And now it's come out evidence of uh, Toronto Mayor Rob Ford smoking crack. He's the mayor, for crying out loud. So that's why we brought in our tep- top 10 list today, the top 10 signs your mayor is a substance abuser. And why not do it with the man who's anything but? So here he is right now. All right, let's go. Our first one, sign your mayor is a substance abuser. His campaign slogan was dope and change. <laughs> Next up. When he talks about how there are cracks in the system, he literally means crack. (laughs) Next up. Cypress Hill played at his inauguration. Yes, yes. These are all signs your mayor is a substance abuser. Next one. After cutting the ribbon at the opening of the new supermarket, he heads directly for the aisle with the bath bomb. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Keep going. He once lost three fire trucks in a poker game at Charlie Sheen's Super Bowl party. <laughs> Before he signs any bill or proclamation, he always sniffs the Sharpie. <laughs> More signs your mayor is a substance abuser. Go. He wants your sister city to be 
anywhere in Colombia. <laughs> doesn't matter which one. It doesn't matter. Next up. It's the reason the local drugstore keeps the cough syrup behind the counter. <laughs> I like that one. Well, that's a good one. All right, here's another good one. All right. Every, every time the police chief comes in for his weekly meeting, he instinctively grabs everything in his pockets and flushes it down the toilet. That's good to be safe. All right, next sign, your mayor's a substance abuser. He makes 420 an official holiday. As it should be, sure. As it should be, huh? Here's a good one. Every day is Bob Marley Appreciation Day. Yari, Ariman. Ariman, it is in my house. <laughs> all right, here's a good one. He promises to fill all the potholes. Nice. Uh, with actual pot. Yeah, okay, <laughs> now we're talking. We can get away with that. And finally, the final sign that your mayor is a substance abuser. He thinks he can make a difference. (laughs) (laughs) That's the mayor, Jim Matherly, helping us out. Thanks, Jim. Always appreciate having you on with us here in the cabin. You bet, Glenn. Have a great day, man. All right. You're picking me up at 2 a.m. from the big eye bar tonight, right? Because I'll be loaded. I'm your DD on there, man. He's such a good mayor. Well, that was an absolute blast. Episode number 100 in the books. And we want to thank you. But now we get to episode 101 next week. And joining us, we're going to ask uh, lovely Maria about if she's AirPod shaped. Jamie Lissau helps with the idiot of the day. Nerd news. Yes or BS with the mayor. F my life. Great caddy comebacks. And my tips for safe passwords. Those are all next week on the podcast. We'll see you then. You've been listening to Live from Crapper Creek, the podcast with Glenner. Produced by Mike Cook. For the full morning show, log on to the live stream at xrock959.com. This has been a Glendertainment production.